Hello everyone, I'm Olivia. And I'm Bella. And we're prevention educators for New Directions, the Domestic Violence Shelter, and Rape Crisis Center of Knox County, Ohio. You're listening to Table Talks. We hope that listening to this podcast gives you an inside look into the world of domestic and sexual violence. Throughout this series, you will hear from individuals from all walks of life, from preventionists, advocates, and community partners to survivors themselves. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Table Talks. Today, we have an awesome guest here, Jackie Pack, who is our legal advocate and assistant director. Um, So seeing as how I just introduced you, you don't necessarily (laughs) have to do that, but I've been having everybody share like a fun fact about themselves or like something that you think you want people to know about you, anything like that. Okay, so a recent fun fact is that I have been harvesting butterflies. <laughs> that is so cute. You weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. Have you, or have any of them, so they're monarch on, I almost said, have any of them grown? Like no, so they, they obviously them. go through the process. So I grow a plant called milkweed, and the monarch butterflies will lay their eggs on Mm -hmm. this plant. And so once they hatch, they basically just live off of this plant. But in order to ensure that they grow into butterflies, you have to, you have to kind of protect them from other prey. So I put them in like a netted cage and allow them to go through their process. It's like a butter. I've seen it. It's like a butterfly yes. mansion. Yes, it's really cute. That's, have any of them like formed their? I almost said croissants. What it's are they? Chrysalis. They're chrysalis. Yes, and so I think I have five right now, going through the process. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Do you have more than five um, caterpillars? caterpillars? So we still have some caterpillars in there, um, and I just check daily, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of my project for the summer. That's awesome. They're going extinct, aren't they? That's Supposedly. What that's what it, it, they're saying. Um, so they have the the longest migration. Um, like it takes them forever to get to where they're going. Like yeah. once winter hits, so I think that's one of the reasons why they're going extinct. Interesting. You're gonna repopulate I need the to earth do, with monarchs. I need to do a little more research so I understand the whole concept. But right now, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Yeah. Very fun. Fun. Very fun. Fun fact, Jackie. Thanks. Okay. So, kind of moving on. Like I said, uh, you're our legal advocate and assistant director. So, can you kind of share your primary responsibilities within those roles? Yeah. So. As the assistant director, I am the direct supervisor for our direct service staff. Mm -hmm. And so that would, that would basically incorporate all of our advocates that work with the clients we serve. So I help supervise them, provide that emotional support, um, for our, for our employees, but also help them kind of navigate each client. If all of our clients come with, um, different situations so it's just providing them that support connecting mm-hmm. them to those resources um, and then as the assistant director I assist with the grant process so we have quite a few grants um, we are a nonprofit, so that keeps us really busy the grant processing yeah. so primarily what that looks like on my end is yes I I help with some of the writing 
but I do more of the report end. Mm -hmm. So we have some reports are due monthly, some are quarterly. Okay. Um, so it just kind of depends yes, on, the, absolutely. on the grant. And we have a really with. good database, so that's made life a lot easier because we've created these reports. So essentially, I should just be able to go in there and put the dates in. Um, but it's not a... It's not always a flawless thing, so mm-hmm. sometimes I have to go in and make sure things were put in correctly. But yeah, double check. Yeah, so I do that. Um, I also supervise interns at our local colleges. So those interning with us, I, mostly they're majoring with in like social work mm-hmm. or psychology. So I will supervise those interns through that process um and then at times i will accompany lori our director to events meetings um and discuss our services or educate the community about new directions Mm -hmm. i everybody laughs because it's probably like not a strength (laughs) your favorite thing to do (laughs) no i i'm kind of shy so going and getting out in the public is it's something that's new for me, mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to get used to it. But mm-hmm. but Lori's outgoing, so that helps. Yeah. yeah, you're 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 growing in that strength, Jackie. I suppose so. that's what I that's how I choose to frame it. Oh uh, yeah. And then what about legal advocacy? Um, as far as the legal advocacy, yeah. so I assist individuals that are wanting civil protection orders. So. I help them through that process. There's mm-hmm. different types of petitions they can file, but it's all through our civil court. And um, I mean, I can go more into detail about that, but it's primarily just assisting them with those protection orders. Okay. Um, and we also collaborate with our law enforcement entities. There's a program called the Lethality Assessment Program. Mm-hmm. And so when an officer is on scene at a domestic violence, specifically intimate partner, they will initiate this this lethality assessment and based on whatever that is, whether it's high lethality or not, they would then refer them to an, an on-call advocate. Okay. So from there, I... I'm the one that keeps all of the data and the stats on that. Mm. That's kind of what my role looks like there. But I also do the education for the officers. Oh, cool. Okay. And we'll talk more about that, too, in the core accompaniment and CPO assistance that you're doing. Um, So, obviously, this episode is kind of about mental health and domestic violence. So, in the work that you do in either one of your roles, do you see a correlation between mental health and domestic violence? So the clients that we work with have experienced some type of trauma prior to coming to us. So as a victim of domestic violence or sexual violence, the things that have happened to them are often life-threatening or cause them to fear to make them perceive that whatever has occurred to them has been a life-threatening event. So it's not uncommon for the survivors we work with to show symptoms of mental health diagnosis, Mm -hmm. whether that be depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, It all looks very different because we all react to 
similar events, it, we could, you and I could have this a similar event, but we might react differently to it. Yeah. So I would say that we, we oftentimes we see a correlation, but that doesn't mean they have a mental health diagnosis. It okay. might mean that they've been exposed or experienced some type of trauma. And so they're showing symptoms of that tra- traumatic experience. Gotcha. Now, when we see it go more into like a mental health um, kind of down that road is when they haven't dealt with that traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. So if they've experienced a trauma years ago and they just haven't dealt with it and they're still having these symptoms, a lot of times you might see that turning into anxiety or depression. Yeah. Um, so when people come to us, a lot of times we we do a lot of educating on trauma and mm-hmm. the responses of trauma. So the survivors are aware of these symptoms they're experiencing and they can put a name to it. They, they know it's a response to that trauma. Yeah. And do you, so, cause I know you have kind of a background, you have a background in mental health. Yes. Correct. Yes. So like, is that something you're, cause I know obviously advocacy is very different than counseling, it is. <laughs> but is that something you're able to kind of, help them navigate or is that where you would refer to a sec so to a with advocacy person? so although i i have done mental health therapy in the past as an advocate we do not provide mm-hmm. therapy um what we do specifically is help survivors work through a traumatic experience so we do a lot of educating we do a lot of awareness on that specific trauma and helping them work through that but if they are showing signs that they do have depression or they Mm -hmm. have extreme anxiety to where it's impacting other areas of their life, we would, we would go on and refer them to an agency that does provide mental health therapy. It's not to say that a lot of us that do this work couldn't provide it. It's just our agency doesn't. Yeah. And so we want to do what's best for this client. And mm-hmm. a lot of sometimes they choose not to. They they might say, I don't wanna I don't want a diagnosis or I don't want to go and do therapy specifically. And so we have to we have to explain our role as mm-hmm. the advocate and it's it's not to diagnose them. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it gets tricky when we build that rapport with them and they don't want to go find a therapist mm-hmm. or they they, <laughs> yeah. they want to keep working with us our services are free and we don't necessarily have a limit on the amount of time we can see clients. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon to work with clients for a while. We just have to make sure that we are working with them on trauma and not a mental health diagnosis. Yeah. Like being aware of the limitations within that role. That makes sense. Um, so you mentioned, uh, like depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So, are those kind of the most common mental health concerns you see among the clients that you serve or are there are there other other things that are pretty common? And I don't know if you can share that or not. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'll just start out by saying survivors that we work with are often in crisis and mm-hmm. in survival mode when we first see them. Um, so this involves the release of stress hormones and the activation of our stress response systems. So our mind and body become focused on com- combating that danger. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like part of the fight, flight, or absolutely. freeze? Yes, okay. that's exactly what it is. So 
because of this, we often work with clients that are hypervigilant. They might startle easily. They may seem withdrawn or depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the abuse they've experienced, um, they might even have distorted thought processes, Mm -hmm. thinking they are not worthy of love or they were at fault for what happened to them. They might have low Mm -hmm. self-esteem. But again, we don't diagnose them. Yeah. Um, So they might come with symptoms of depression or anxiety um but because of that experience being so new we educate them on how their body's likely responding to that trauma Mm -hmm. that just occurred yeah so you can't say oh this person's coming in they're having you know like paranoia that sort of thing Mm -hmm. this person's x y and z yeah so a lot of times you know i could see someone showing up what we don't want to happen is someone showing up at one of our mental health um you know agencies yeah and they might look paranoid or they might have distorted thought processes and in that moment they might they might look like they have another mental health diagnosis that is pretty extreme or like Mm -hmm. a personality disorder or something obviously through through that process, they would realize they probably didn't have those symptoms, mm-hmm. the amount of time they would have needed to to diagnose them. But even like family and friends might say, wow, that person's really paranoid. What's wrong with them? Yeah. A lot of times you won't, if you don't understand trauma, you're going to just assume like that person is not normal. What's mm-hmm. wrong with them? Like they have something. They have something yeah. wrong with them, not what happened to them Mm -hmm. they've experienced a trauma this is a normal response and a lot of times we will have to explain to survivors or residents that work with us you know the way you're responding is normal it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel normal but it is normal yeah and you know how how can we help you cope with that or make you aware of it well, and, like, trauma is something that's so... And, like, triggers, too, is something that's super interesting. Like, I I got this book a while ago. Um, I may have told you about it, but it's called What Happened to You? Yes. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like, it's about reframing the language of what's wrong with this person mm-hmm. and what happened to them and understanding, like, the purpose of triggers and how, you know they're seen as an inconvenience and at times they can be, but the purpose of them is like, it's your body's way of trying to keep you safe. So it's pretty, it's interesting. Fight, flight, 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 flight or freeze. Freeze mode. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we all, again, it, it, it's proven that we all react differently Mm -hmm. just based on whatever we were taught, how to respond to things as children Mm -hmm. or different supports we had as children yeah. How are we taught to cope with things? It's really, it's really interesting how all it, that yeah, works. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's so much deeper than what we're talking about today. Yeah. The brain is, is very interesting. Complex. Yes, it is. Can you talk a little bit about what mental health resources are available to survivors that you're aware of? This could be in Knox County or out of the county. Anything that you think would be a beneficial resource? Yeah, so... I'll start with us. So mm-hmm. obviously New Directions is the Domestic Violence and Rape Crisis Center for Knox County. Um, specifically, if somebody were to experience some type of sexual violence and they needed to 
get an exam done. They would go to our local ER. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to note that you don't have a wait if you need that exam as well. So you could go in there, they get you in right away. Mm -hmm. The process is long, but we have some really great sane nurses that do that. Um, and during that process, they actually will contact an advocate and we will go there, meet with this person, and can even explain the process a little more. Um, so there are also quite a few counselors in Knox County that have years of experience working with clients mm -hmm. and those who have experienced trauma. And we refer quite a few people. So Knox Public Health is one of them. Yeah. They have a really good group of counselors there. Um, Sojourners, that's mm -hmm. another one. It kind of just depends what our clients are looking for. So if we have a client that says, you know, I want, I want a therapist or a counselor that's faith-based, we will do the research for them mm -hmm. and, and connect them. We're not going to put somebody with a therapist or refer somebody with somebody that, um, if it's not what they're looking for. Yeah. And we don't say, hey, this specific therapist is the best one. We, you know, we don't kind of recruit those things. It's just every client is different. And so they're going to mesh with certain counselors different ways. So yeah. we have a list of all the counseling services. They make the calls. Um, sometimes if they're with us and they're not sure if their insurance would qualify, we might do that advocacy for them and mm -hmm. call ahead of time and say, is this something you, do you, do you accept this insurance? Or mm -hmm. if they don't have insurance, what does that look like yeah. as self-pay? Yeah. Um, and then we, I believe our director, Lori, she had requested some funding through a grant we recently applied for. And so because we have certain people that are self-pay and might not be able to afford therapy, we actually are able to cover some of those services, realizing that our advocacy only goes to a certain mm -hmm. degree. And if they need more mental health services, we want to be able to help with that. So it's not a ton of funding, but it's it's a start. Yeah, it's more than nothing. Yes. And a, and a lot of these, a lot of these places they'll work with individuals if if they can't afford the full amount they they're i mean they just want to help people mm -hmm. so yeah that's awesome yeah it's really cool and also if if any of you want to learn more about like the hospital um process or anything like that sane nurses feel free to check out lauren's episode on hospital yes. accompaniment as well so we talked a lot about that process in there um, all right. So last question for you. I actually don't think it's on your sheet. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> but since an important part of mental health is self care, what are some things that you do for self care? Huh. So, <laughs> well, sorry I'm to surprise body. you. No, it's fine. I, I think I'm pretty good at self care. So mm -hmm. prior to COVID, I, I would book vacations in advance. So I would book a, book a few throughout the year. Um, I'm still trying to get in the groove of doing that because I do like to travel, but I also am a homebody and mm -hmm. I have two dogs and I hate to leave them. Mm -hmm. So I, I intend on starting to travel more, but honestly I have created 
kind of like a little sanctuary where I live. It's it's my safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being home, and you know, I I would say that I utilize that as my self care. But I also like the normal things like facials and you know going and getting pedicures or sometimes shopping. But mm-hmm. but really, I have a good group of of friends, support, even family. Um, and so I think I, I, I find self-care in kind of all kinds of ways, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the older I get, the more I'm like, I need, I need to take care of myself more. Yeah. I feel like it's funny enough. One of the most difficult things to do sometimes. It is. And you know, I always tell the advocates that I supervise is you're only as good as, you know, you can only help somebody if you're helping yourself. So if you have your own things going on and you're not taking care of it, how can you come and do this work? Um, So you've even told me that a couple of times. I I probably have. (laughs) So yeah, you have to take care of yourself if you're going to help other people. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Can't pour from an empty cup. No, you can't. As some would say. All right. Awesome. Well, that's that's it. So hopefully that was pretty painless for you. Um, but thank you for taking the time and chatting. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. We've got some more really awesome episodes coming out your way. Um, but in the meantime, make sure to keep an eye out for what new directions has on social media. Thanks everybody. Thanks.